Blog Talk Radio. And hello out there to all you Brooklyn folk. This is Sam Maxwell, and you are here with the Bedford and Sullivan Podcast, the podcast that keeps you, the audience, active listeners in the Brooklyn Dodgers TV series research process. And uh, we have our our resident historian, as well as Brooklyn's resident historian on the podcast today, Ron Schweiger. And, and Ron, we're going to be talking a little bit about Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And you and I were talking uh, last night when you were out in Coney Island that Greenpoint, Brooklyn is most likely, from a mileage perspective, the farthest away from the current incarnation of baseball, the Brooklyn Cyclones. Uh, I would think it could be the furthest point of any location in Brooklyn to Coney Island. Uh, uh, Greenpoint is on the northwest corner of the borough of Brooklyn. Um, There's another part of Brooklyn that's pretty far from it also. That would be the New Lots section of Brooklyn, uh, which is right near the Queens Mm. border. Um, but uh, I would think that Greenpoint would be the furthest away. So I want to get into some logistics about uh, some transit, you know, uh, scenarios uh, when it comes to Greenpoint and how you would even uh, find yourself getting to either Coney Island or even Ebbets Field if we were going to go back there, as we always do. But first, how are the Cyclones doing? Well, actually, the Cyclones, as of last night, they they won nine to nothing. They got fourteen hits. The opposing team, the Mahoning Valley Scrappers from uh, um, Ohio, they only got four hits, and uh, and the um, the Cyclones shut them out nine nothing. And now their record is twelve wins, nine losses, um, and they're in first place. Uh, they were tied in first place with the Staten Island Yankees as of yesterday, but that was before the game was played. So mm-hmm. I don't know how Staten Island did. I complained to the New York Daily News well, uh, that they don't put the standings of the New York Penn League in the paper, and yet these are two New York <laughs> baseball teams. So uh, I haven't heard from them right. about right, it. Right, <laughs> exactly. Well, let's let's find out right now. I'm going to go to the, uh, the standings of the New York Penn League uh, as we talk about it, but so if you were coming from Greenpoint, Brooklyn, how do you think uh, a Brooklyn Cyclones fan would best get down there? Well, you cannot take a bus or a subway train from Greenpoint to get to Coney Island unless you transfer from one line to another. Um, um, Greenpoint only has two subway lines, the G train and the L train. And uh, you would have to transfer. I don't have a subway map in front of me right now, but you would have to transfer somewhere along the uh, G or L line. Um, the G line, I think, crosses the F train, and the F goes to Coney Island. So you would take the G from Greenpoint and transfer somewhere along the line where it transfers to the F train and head south to Coney Island, and then you can watch the Cyclones play. Uh, there are yeah, three bus lines um, in uh, Greenpoint. Um, and, uh, but by the way, before there were subways and, and, and before there were buses, there were trolley cars. And the trolley cars um, were all over Brooklyn. I mean, most major thoroughfares had trolley cars running on them. And, uh, and you can transfer from one to the other, and they can get to Coney Island that way as well, back in, back in the day, as they say. 
So before we get into the history of Greenpoint, I, I want to tell you about the New York Penn League McNamara division. Um, right. The Staten Island Yankees, I believe, lost last night. They're, they've lost two in a row. And right now okay. you have a three-way tie with the uh, you have a three-way tie with the Aberdeen Ironbirds, the Brooklyn Cyclones, and the Hudson Valley Renegades at 13 and 12. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> I mean, the uh, the whole division is pretty close. It's a very close division. All, all, yeah, all the teams in that right. division. So uh, the still I mean, a long you know, you're to in go. last place. Exactly, you're, you're in last place at 12 and 12. Only no, the Staten Island Yankees are, are in last place that, at 12 and 12. Yankees are 12 and 12. Five yeah. games out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's still so, early in the uh, season. Yeah. Yeah. They're, I mean, they play. Course, it, uh, if it's, if, let's say, 24 games have been played, and there's a total of uh, 76 altogether, so there's still a ways to go. You got right. the whole month of August, half of July, and I think one or two games in September. So there's still a ways so to go. So I have the Greenpoint, I have the Greenpoint map up now, and ironically, one of the two logos in the middle of it are TD Bank and Dunkin' Donuts, and it would seem that all over <laughs> New York, those the the uh, real estate developers think that uh, those, those two companies are going to be the the only companies left on the storefronts. But without getting into politics uh, and and the that type of element, um, let's get into the history of Greenpoint. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm looking at the map and rather small little peninsula uh, of, of a neighborhood in the northern part of Brooklyn. Yes. Uh, in fact, I have a small map right in front of me here also, um, not just of Greenpoint, but of the borough of Brooklyn, showing the different neighborhoods and the boundary lines. And, uh, and according to this, I would say, as we mentioned earlier at the beginning of the broadcast, it looks like Greenpoint would be the furthest point to Coney Island. Uh, in in Brooklyn, um, and New Lots, right near the um, Queens border, which is east of Flatlands, would be the next longest trip to get to uh, a Sea of Cyclones game. And again, there's transfers uh, to to get there via via buses and subways. But anyhow, the the very beginnings of, of Greenpoint, uh, you wouldn't believe it if you looked at Greenpoint today, but it was a very grassy, green area. Um, and um, it was, um, by by the 1830s, the area was mostly agriculture. There were no factories yet. There was no uh, industry. Uh, So by the 1830s, it was mostly agriculture. The land was very fertile, and it was an ideal area for people to settle. However, it wasn't very settled. There were very few families living there originally. Um, and um, there were many streams and creeks, various waterways. Of course, you had the East River, okay? Uh, you had what's now known as the Newtown Creek, and you wouldn't dare not only fish there, but you wouldn't even dare swim in that, those waters today. Um, and it was um, as time passed on, after the 1830s, um, because the waterways made it ideal for transportation, a lot of industry started to, to get developed. Um, uh, but, but going back, it, it was originally uh, settled by the Dutch in uh, 1638. That's right, 1638. And um, 
the Dutch West India Company bought the land from the local Indians. And in 1660, the town, the Dutch town of Boswick, and you can guess what that became, Bushwick. And in Dutch, Bos, B-O-S, means woods. And Bushwick is known as town in the woods. And Greenpoint and Williamsburg were all part, um, eventually were all part of the Dutch village of uh, Boswick or Bushwick. All right. Um, so that's how the area of Greenpoint got started. It was primarily agricultural to begin with. Um, and again, the waterways started the area to change from agriculture to industrial. Um, now, by the time the Revolutionary War came by, um, there were only five families living in Greenpoint in 1776. It was the Collier family. There were two members of the Messerol family, the Provost family, and the Bennett family. And if you go to Greenpoint today, you will find streets named after these families, uh, primarily Collier and Messerol. Uh, and these were the, basically the five families living in the what's now known as the Greenpoint area during the Revolutionary War. And now if we jump ahead from there to the 1840s, now you had factories, a lot of factories, and they were producing um, a whole host of products, uh, porcelain, glass, cast iron, books, and petroleum refineries also. Um, and from the 1840s to the 1880s, the area was known as the Five Black Arts because of the smoke and pollution being produced by the hmm. factories, the porcelain, the glass, the cast iron, and the petroleum refineries. And uh, it started to get very polluted. And uh, by 1844, shipyards were established. And that's very significant in the history of Greenpoint. Because I told you earlier of the waterways being a very good form of transportation. Well, a lot of these products being produced in Brooklyn, in Greenpoint, in this big industrial area, now it was very easy for Brooklyn products to be shipped not only throughout the New York metropolitan area, but believe it or not, to the Midwest. Brooklyn products ended up in the Midwest. If we go back to 1825, the Erie Canal was established in upstate New York. Now, Greenpoint is by the East River, which connects to the Hudson River, which if you go north up the Hudson, you get to the Erie Canal. And the Erie Canal goes due west to near Buffalo, New York, which is where the Great Lakes are. And all the Great Lakes are interconnected, connecting to, of course, Lake Michigan, the Midwest, and the Mississippi River. So Brooklyn products ended up in the Midwest. Um, and what about beer brewing? You had Bushwick and Williamsburg, where, where the primary beer, beer breweries were, but you also had a little bit in Greenpoint as well. Around the 1880s to 1900, Brooklyn alone, just Brooklyn, had 45 beer breweries. That was before Milwaukee became beer capital of the United States. Brooklyn was the beer capital of the United States at the turn of the century. So, that gives you a little bit of the beginning's history. Yeah, it, it, it's just fascinating to listen uh, to you about it. And and so my question with the waterway, first, what is this, this strip of water called again? 
you had Bushwick Creek and you have Newtown Creek. Newtown separates Greenpoint um, from Queens. There's a, that creek, Newtown Creek, right. and you have a couple of bridges that go across that. Um, um, the early bridges were made of wood that would take you know horses and wagons and mm. pedestrians across. But today you have um, uh, other bridges. You have, first of all, the Kosciuszko Bridge. Um, if we go back to the very beginnings of the Kosciuszko Bridge, um, it was originally called. Uh, let's see. Um, there were three generations of bridges that passed over Newtown Creek, and that's at the foot of a street called Meeker Avenue. After the War of 1812, a pedestrian bridge, a pe my tongue is slipping here, a pedestrian bridge was built on wooden piles at Meeker Avenue. And in 1836, 24 years later, the Penny Bridge was built, and there was a toll on it. And you can guess what the Penny what the toll was. It was a penny. Um, and that would accommodate horses and carriages as well as pedestrians. Um, but 40 years, this bridge uh, became a bottleneck because it was, it was um, a bridge that would be able to move to allow um, water passage by boats. And every time a boat had to come by, it had to stop and wait for the bridge to turn slightly to allow the boat pass. So it was kind of a bottleneck. Um, but by 1939, the Meeker Avenue Bridge was built at a cost of over $4 million. That's a lot of money in 1939. And then two years later, in 1941, it was renamed the Kosciuszko Bridge in honor of Thaddeus Kosciuszko, the Polish patriot who fought in the American Revolution. And uh, people in Greenpoint can tell you that Greenpoint is the Polish capital of the United States. There are more Poles in that neighborhood today than anywhere else in the United States. And if you go down one of the main shopping streets in uh, Greenpoint, Manhattan Avenue, you will see uh, bakeries, pastry shops, um, delis, um, um, with Polish writing on it, um, and you'll find uh, coffee, coffee houses uh, owned by Greeks, you know, um, diners owned by Greeks. So it's a big, big area of Brooklyn in Greenpoint where you have many different ethnic groups. But Polish is the primary one right now, and it has been for a very long time. So, uh, yeah, and I... I, I had definitely known that fact about it, and uh, in fact, my my friend is uh, currently living in Poland, so I, I want to let him know about it being. If he didn't know already, that it is the uh, uh, Polish capital of America, and because um, obviously, you know, throughout Brooklyn, you you have a lot of Polish roots, uh, but it seems that Greenpoint. Well, why why do you think that is? Why did uh, so many uh, Polish people settle in Greenpoint? Okay, and the answer to that is that a lot of immigrants came into the area during the 1800s, um, and they were working uh, at various uh, – first of all, you had um, – prior to the 1880s, most of Greenpoint's laborers were English, um, Dutch, French, and Italian. 
But after the 1880s, you had Russian, Hungarian, Slovakian, and Polish immigrants. And you had um, skilled and unskilled laborers. So all of these ethnic groups settled in the area because jobs were aplenty during, because of the industry that was there. All these industrial factories needed workers. They needed unskilled workers, and they needed skilled workers. And so the immigrants settled in the area there, and um, a lot of generations continued to stay there, primarily the, the Greeks and the, um, and the Poles. So um, you go there, and you can, you can go find so many different ethnic food places along the, the, the main commercial streets. Yeah, and there's some real fascinating views. Speaking of those those streets uh, of Manhattan, I, I when I'm picturing in my head, I know that you can see, and I, I believe it's Manhattan Avenue down that. That's the one I was just going to mention. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the city. When you when you yeah, come up Bedford Avenue, the, and by the right. way, Bedford Avenue is the longest street in Brooklyn. If the listeners that are listening to this never knew before, it runs about eight miles from the very tip of Sheepshead Bay at Emmons Avenue all the way up to where it ends at Manhattan Avenue. And when you make that left turn from Bedford Avenue onto Manhattan Avenue, all of a sudden, way ahead of you, you see the skyline of Manhattan, the big buildings. Um, and you take Manhattan Avenue, and then you, I think if you make a, continue, make a right turn on Greenpoint Avenue, and then a left turn on, and again, I forgot what other street it is. It takes you right to the um, Vernon Avenue Bridge, which takes you right across into Queens, into Long Island City, over Newtown mm-hmm. Creek. No, that, that would be the Kosciuszko right, exactly. Bridge, I believe. You're talking about the Pulaski, the Pulaski, yeah, the Pulaski. I'm sorry, the Pulaski Bridge, that's right. Not the Kosciuszko Bridge. Right. The Pulaski Bridge, that's the one. So going back and again, there's a Polish name right waterways. there. Right, exactly, Pulaski. And I can never say Kosciuszko. How do I, I can never uh, You say know what, right. it's pronounced Kosciuszko. You know what, I can't even pronounce it. But there's, there's a very funny <laughs> joke. I, I don't know whether it's a joke or it's a true story. But in the 1800s, um, when the trolley cars were abound all over Brooklyn, um, a trolley car struck a horse that was pulling a horse and wagon, uh, pulling the wagon, and it killed the horse. And this Irish policeman came over, you know, and the crowd gathered around, and he takes out his pad, and he's starting to write down the information. And he wanted to know uh, what is the name of the street that the horse here is laying dead on. And one of the people said, it's Kashashko. And the Irishman starts the writing, and uh, and. Uh, can you say that name again? He said, they said, Kashashka. Well, he couldn't spell the damn word, so he had a couple of strong, able-bodied men drag the horse over to the corner where the horse would be laid next to the next street, which is much easier to spell, because nobody could spell Kashashka. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> so, uh, you never heard that one before, did you? <laughs> it, I had never heard that one before, and I'm trying to, to zoom in uh, uh, to 278 to see if I could find it. Uh, you know, it it doesn't have it written directly on the uh, the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. It's just written as Brooklyn Queens Expressway. Um, and uh-huh. so 
Because water, this waterway, this is mostly natural with some, you know, uh, I can only guess some of it was, was extended, uh, man-made. Yeah, these are natural waterways. Um, the Newtown Creek uh, is an extension of the East River, which technically isn't really a river at all. It's a tidal strait that right. was uh, created during the last ice age about over 70,000 years ago. Um, and if you're ever standing by the FDR Drive in Manhattan and you can watch the water, it flows south when the tide is going out and flows north when the tide is coming in. It's subject to the tides of the Atlantic oh, wow. Ocean. Uh, uh, a lot of people didn't know that. Um, so you had these wonderful yeah. waterways, uh, Bushwick Creek, which much of Bushwick Creek, I believe, has been filled in. Um, but Newtown Creek is a uh, uh, it is unbelievably polluted, um, and it is a uh, I'm trying to think of what the technical term is by the government for to clean it up. Um, just like the Gowanus Canal in the Gowanus area of Brooklyn. It's a uh, prime body of water to be cleaned up, which is an expensive and tedious job to do. And a lot of these factories just yeah. dumped their their residue into the into the water. What did they know back then? And all of this, right. uh, including the oil refineries, um, it just did a terrible, terrible, terrible job. Um, and it was Ch Charles Pratt. And he developed the Astral Oil Works in uh, Greenpoint. And, uh, and by the way, in 1875, there were more than 50 companies located along Newtown Creek in the East River. Can you imagine 50 companies and factories and a lot of them just dumping their stuff into the water? Uh, and Newtown Creek is notorious. It is, it's really bad. Um, hmm. I don't know what I'm going to tell you. And I see it right and, along, uh, right in between the Greenpoint Avenue Bridge as well as the Pulaski Bridge is the Newtown Creek uh, Wastewater Treatment Plant. Okay, and, um, yeah. And is, is this, was this the, no, because that was the uh, the Con Edison uh, when, when the sky lit up in blue a few uh, uh, months ago. Um, this one right here, this this is the the um, I guess they're not just treating the Newtown Creek, but in general they're they're treating water, uh, trying to just make water overall better. And this is this is the when you're passing it, uh, uh, you see these egg egg like uh, uh, structures. Well, you know, cleaning the water is one thing, but what about the residue at the bottom, in the mud, in the sand at the bottom? Uh, mm -hmm. that's got to be cleaned. Cleaning the water, you know, that's fine, but it's not going to get rid of what's at the bottom. Uh, it's, I don't know how to, look, I'm not that kind of a technician to describe what has to be done, but I would assume <laughs> right. some of that has to be dredged up and taken away and uh, do whatever they have to do with it to get rid of it. Um, you know, and, uh, and one of the factories, by the way, that made a cast iron, uh, was um, in 1862, uh, the Continental Ironworks built an ironclad ship called the Monitor. Uh, now, a lot of people believe that it was built at the Brooklyn Navy Yard in Williamsburg, but that is not true. It was built at the Continental Ironworks in Greenpoint, 
and the Monitor were fought during the Civil War against another ironclad ship called the Merrimack. And neither one of these ships actually won the battle. Um, and this was the very, very first time in the history of uh, wartime that two ironclad ships fought against each other. And, by the way, neither one won, as I mentioned. Uh, and, you know, speaking, speaking of, of the factories, you had one of them was the Glassworks, the Greenpoint Glassworks. But there was another Glassworks company. Um, you, of course, everyone has heard of um, the um, Corning, Corning Glassworks in upstate New York. Well, Corning Glass started in Brooklyn. And it was known as the Brooklyn Flint Glass Company. And again, I'm going to mention the Erie Canal. But the Brooklyn Flint Glass Company wanted to be closer to the coal fields of northern Pennsylvania. So they went up the East River, up the Hudson River to the Erie Canal, west along the Erie Canal, and then connected to creeks leading to the Finger Lakes, which took them down to near Corning, New York, in south, south central New York State, to be near the coal fields of northern Pennsylvania. So it cut out a lot of traveling time to get the coal into Brooklyn, and now they were close to that. So the Brooklyn Flint Glass Company became the Corning Glass Company, and it, Corning Glass is still there today in Corning, New York. Oh, wow. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. I'm trying to see, and we're going on a tiny bit of a tangent uh, with this, but where does the Hudson River connect to the Erie Canal? Um, that would be somewhere near Albany. Somewhere near Albany. I don't have any map yeah, in front of me, but I would say it has to be somewhere near Albany. It, but it's obviously very, it's obviously very thin, so it, it's hard to put up. Oh, I think that's that is probably it. Um, yeah. yeah, but anyway. Um, so we were talking about how to get to Coney Island from Greenpoint. Mm -hmm. If you were trying to go, and I think it might be similar uh, in terms of transferring, but if you were to need to go to Ebbets Field when you lived in Greenpoint at the time, uh, mm -hmm. what would you do? Other than the trolleys, what, what do you think people would do? Well, when Ebbets Field was around, um, um, there was no subway system yet. When Ebbets Field opened in 1913, there were there were trains. You know that you had steam trains, you had electric trains, and of course, as you mentioned, the trolley cars. And you can transfer from one line to another to get to Ebbets Field. I mean, Ebbets Field was located um, very close to Flappish Avenue, which was a main transportation line for trolleys. It was also um, near Ocean Avenue. Now, Ocean Avenue had trolleys. You had um, Empire Boulevard. And again, I'm not sure whether Empire Boulevard had trolleys or not. I don't know. But there were, mm. I know one of the trolleys in Greenpoint uh, was the Lorim, Lorimer Street trolley. And that would transfer to other trolley lines heading south. And you can take that south into the Crown Heights Flappish area where Ebbets Field was located. Mm -hmm. I have a map downstairs in my and basement really that shows all of the trolley lines that existed in Brooklyn and, and the dates that they were terminated. Oh, 
And the last two trolley lines to run in Brooklyn were the uh, Church Avenue and McDonald Avenue trolleys. That was 1956. And I know that the Coney Island Avenue trolley ended in 1955. And the Ocean Avenue and Flappish Avenue ended in 1951. That I remembered from looking at the map. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, right. yeah, that sounds that sounds fantastic. Send us a photo of that if you could. So I, I I'll post it on the on the uh, the page. Um, uh, it's a it's, a, it's quite it a large quick. map. It's uh it's gonna be it's oh. and it's covered in plastic. So I, I I'm not sure how it's gonna come. I'll try I'll try to send that to you and see if I can do that. And if you really wanted to make a day out of it, uh, it's probably a good two hour walk at least. But you could start at Manhattan Avenue and walk all the way down Bedford. Uh, you could uh, just bring a, a nice bottle of water, a, a bottle of water or two with you, especially if you're doing it in the summertime. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's it's a long exactly. walk. It's not that close, not that close at all. Keep in mind, remember Bedford Avenue is the longest street in Brooklyn. <laughs> well, we we have about a minute left for our live audience, uh, but I, I'd like to wrap up a little bit of this after the uh, the live show. Um, and so, yeah, it, 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 it's just, it's fascinating, all these different neighborhoods and, and, you know, one of the things that I, I love just about Brooklyn is that we could really never, uh, uh, finish up. There's, there's still so many different areas that we haven't talked about. I mean, it's always fascinating to, to hear you talk about it, Ron. You, you have such a breadth of knowledge. I know you do a lot of research as well, and you have you have some some notes, but it's really fascinating, and I appreciate you always coming on on here and and giving us a little bit of the rundown. Well, uh, it, it's my pleasure. I enjoy doing this with you, Sam, and to the li- listening audience, and uh, and we'll do it again. Pick out another neighborhood. Uh, let's skip August because my wife and I w- will be celebrating our fiftieth wedding anniversary, uh, which we did in March 30th, but we're going away uh, in August. Uh, we'll be out of the country for a bit and uh, to celebrate 50 years together. Actually, it's 54 years together, but we were married for 50 years. We met in 1965. We got married in 69. And it's been a great run, and it's going to last longer, I hope. It's <laughs> <laughs> It's, you know, your mouth to God's ears, as they say, and uh, right. it, it takes hard work. Uh, you know, it's never easy, but it, you you find your partner and you stick with them, and, and congratulations to both of you. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, so before we go, um, I, I was just curious. I, I'm guessing, you know, we talked about where the Brooklyn Dodgers players were mainly uh, located. Uh, but if if not in Brooklyn Dodgers, are there any famous people to have called Greenpoint home? Uh, you ever hear of the actress Mae West? Yes, the silent screen actress Mae West. <laughs> I believe she was born in Greenpoint, and she was born in a building that is still standing today. Um, the, the Astral Apartments, that was built by, the, uh, by Charles Pratt, the Astral Oil Works, um, and these were apartments that he built uh, primarily for his workers, and I believe that she was born in that building. Um, 
I don't have any confirmation on that, but that's something that I heard about. I read somewhere. Um, so May West, and I'm not sure who else. Uh, well, you know, some of the people that streets are named after, of course. Um, for example, um, um, the big park. You have McCarran Park. And McCarran Park is named after Senator Patrick McCarran. And in the 1930s, um, with the help of the WPA, the Works Progress Administration, during the, during the Depression, he, uh, money was gotten by Senator McCarran to create the sprawling McCarran Park. And he developed it on the border of Greenpoint and Williamsburg so that the people from both communities can have access to the park. And this huge swimming pool, this gigantic McCarran Park pool was built during the 1930s in the park. In fact, many of the city's pools today date to the Depression with money from the WPA, the Works Progress Administration, to help people, uh, help give men and women work uh, during these times of depression. So a lot of the city pools today date to the 1930s. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, I'm looking at it. It, it, it is a massive, massive pool. I was, I well, was waiting. Well, it, it deteriorated greatly, and it was closed, I believe, in the 1970s or 80s, and it has been re- resurrected. And it is now open again, and especially with the weather we're having now here in New York, it's warm, almost hot and humid. Afternoon thunderstorms expected today, and in fact, I'm going to the Cyclones game again tonight, and hopefully, we'll get the game in without a thunderstorm. <laughs> hopefully, absolutely. Um, it's something while you were talking about that, I was looking up May West, and I found this um, article on DNAinfo.com, and it was saying five things you may not know about Greenpoint's past. Um, it brings up May West, but another thing that it talks about is that the author of iconic picture book Goodnight Moon and dozens of other children's books was born and raised in Greenpoint. Margaret oh, Wise that was, oh, that was our favorite book to read to my sons when they were growing, when we were so young. Oh, oh yeah. that's great. Yeah, absolutely, same here. And um, so this was written by Serena Dye, um, and um, Margaret Wise Brown grew up on Milton Street before writing dozens of children's books that are still making millions for her estate, Cobb said. Quote, mm-hmm. she had a real deep intuition into how children perceive language, end quote, Cobb said. Quote, many people say she invented the modern children's book, end quote. Yeah, I could, I could totally see that. It, it's fascinating. And, and um, I don't know whether I've ever read any other book by, uh, uh, by uh, Margaret. Sorry about that. Margaret. Um, Margaret Wise Brown, excuse me, uh, mm-hmm. and so uh, I I I I don't have any particular kid to read it to right now, but I'll have to look up uh, some of the other ones and, and wondering if if there's any other Brooklyn roots uh, regarding some of the books that she she wrote because obviously um, a lot of times yeah uh, before we leave this I'm looking at my notes here and um um. In the, 19, in the early 1970s, the Polish and Slavic Center was opened as Greenpoint got to be called Little Poland. And it became a Polish community after World War I, but the real Polish immigration population grew very much after World War II. So it was Little Poland yeah. uh, after World War I, but then it became much more Polish following 
World War II. And uh, industry, there's not much industry there today in Greenpoint. The industry has disappeared. It's mostly businesses, not too much industry. And the last um, beer brewing company, the Schaefer, Schaefer Beer, left Greenpoint in 1976 and moved to Pennsylvania because of higher taxes and labor costs in Brooklyn and New York City. So in Pennsylvania, the labor costs were less and the taxes were less, and that was the last of the Brooklyn breweries to leave the uh, Greenpoint, uh, Bushwick, Williamsburg area, Schaefer Beer. And incidentally, baseball fans, Schaefer Beer was the main sponsor for the Brooklyn Dodgers. And on top of the Brooklyn Dodgers mm-hmm. scoreboard in right field, it big script was the word Schaefer, and the H and the E of Schaefer would light up if the player got a hit, or if the fielder made an error, the E for error would light up, and the H for hit would light up. So fans keeping score would know that the scorekeeper is letting you know that this was a hit or this was an error. So there you go, Sam. See, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't until it wasn't until I was at Target that I realized the chaser still existed as a beer because I bought. I and. and Primarily because of the familiarity of the scoreboard, I bought the beer, uh, in, like uh-huh. an 18 pack for 9.99 or whatever it was, and I, <laughs> you know, like whether it's what, what was it? It's Rheingold and Schaefer's. Rheingold, I don't believe it exists anymore, but Schaefer still does. Schaefer, I, I believe Schaefer does. Uh, I haven't seen it, um, but uh, it's, it's. I haven't seen it in Brooklyn. Whether whether I don't know where they're uh, distributing it now. <laughs> I think I mean I think it was the Atlantic Avenue Target that I I bought it at. So, um, but yeah, you're you're not going to find it at. Uh, it doesn't seem like you're going to find it at any of these craft beer places that that have obviously popped up. Right, a lot right, right. But you have a a whole host of new yeah. breweries have sprung up since the uh, since the early 1990s. I believe Steve uh, Hindi. Started the Brooklyn Brewery in the, I believe, in the early to middle 1990s, and that started um, mm. a new trend. So there are other breweries. There's a small brewery that opened up in Coney Island a couple of years ago called the Coney Island Brewery, and, and in fact, it's right next to MCU Park where the Brooklyn Cyclones play. It's right on Surf Avenue, right <laughs> next to the ballpark. And I'm going all the way up to. Um, the tip of Greenpoint, and you see Greenpoint beer and ale, and so uh-huh. you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of new microbreweries popping up in, in Brooklyn, and, and they've settled in. And uh, you have the Brooklyn Ice Cream Factory, you have the Eagle Trading Company, right. which I believe is a, a coffee place, and um, you know a lot a lot of young professionals have uh, uh, taken over New York with some of these, these uh, trendy locations. Yeah, and, and Greenpoint is also becoming a lot of young people are moving into the area. Um, it's close to Manhattan. If they work in Manhattan, um, you know, the, the, the subway train can take them into Manhattan, uh, and it's close. Um, it's, uh, and by the way, part of Greenpoint is also landmarked. There are certain streets that have uh, landmarked structures and, and row houses and everything. So it's just um, a a beautiful uh, area um, next to Manhattan. Um, And on Manhattan Avenue, 
there's the St. Anthony, Padua, and Alphonsus Roman Catholic Church, and it dates to 1874. And it's, um, it's a beautiful, beautiful Gothic-looking structure with a big, giant spire at the top. And when I take bus tours into Greenpoint, we go right past the church. We stop in front, and you see the cornerstone with the date. I think the date on it says 1873, but I, I think it was built in 1874. Um, it's a gorgeous, what beautiful, beautiful-looking structure. Do you remember what the intersection was again? It's Manhattan Avenue. The address I have written here is 862 Manhattan Avenue. I'm not sure what the cross street is. It's probably close to Green Greenpoint Avenue. It is. Uh, oh, Milton here it is. Street. Milton Street. And it is uh, Manhattan it is, Avenue at Milton talking, Street. We were talking about. Yeah, when you first started talking about Manhattan Avenue, I I did remember this uh, brilliant structure and. Um, I, I know that sometimes when I was going to do a long bike ride from um, uh, uh, when I was living in Crown Heights, I would take a, a long bike ride to uh, City Field. Sometimes I would uh-huh. take the the um, sometimes I would take the uh, lower I guess uh, the going from basically southeast to, to northwest uh, through Queens, but sometimes it was faster to take Bedford Avenue all the way up through Greenpoint to Greenpoint Avenue. And I would always uh-huh. pass on Manhattan Avenue, this church, and it was, it was just it's a fascinating structure. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful building, uh, and it's in, it's in excellent condition, too, considering its age. It's, uh, it's yeah. well-maintained. It's, it, it has this very distinct red brick, and I'll, I'll post it for all of you at some point in the near future. I'll, I'll uh, throw it up onto the page. Uh, it's got this fascinating red brick that's very much complemented by this white trimming. Uh, that yeah, the red brick and, with and the white trim. Gold, yes, it's really striking. Trimmed, yeah, and and these golden trimmed uh, uh, wooden doors that are also very distinct and unique. And it it really is a fascinating uh, church. And I've never been inside it, so I'll have to next time I'm back in Greenpoint, I'll have to take a Take a little gander. Yeah, knock on the door. They'll let you in. Exactly. Well, Ron, I think that's a good place to, to cap this. Uh, as always, thank you so much. We'll, like you said, we'll skip August, but we'll we'll figure out a date uh, off the air. And uh, thank you so much for uh, for coming on here and and giving us a little bit of the rundown. My pleasure, Sam. Take care. Take Bye care, now. and thank you all for listening to uh, the episode about Greenpoint. We'll catch you next time. Have a great one.